Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, this is Dan Lobby and joining me is Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you today? I'm doing well. Of course, it is Combine Week. This is the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, so head over to iTunes and subscribe to our channel. All of that good stuff. Um, We're going to be trying to bring you podcasts uh, every day uh, from the Combine as, uh, look, this is a huge, huge draft as usual for the Browns, but more so this year because they have the number one pick again. This is supposed to be a strong quarterback class. Of course, everyone has spent the last year poking holes in all of these guys. Um, but today was the first day, and Hugh Jackson was the first guy up. Spoke at, actually started at 8.50 this morning. He was supposed to start at 9 o'clock, so he was raring to go. And uh, Mary Kay, obviously no surprise here. All the talk was about, uh, or most of the talk was about the quarterbacks. Yeah, and, you know, that's to be expected. That's what this is all about, except for, of course, you know, there will be some discussion about Saquon Barkley because uh, there are so many people that think uh, that he could be uh, the best player in this draft, and there are a lot of people that want the Browns to take him number one overall. But uh, for all intents and purposes, this is about them finding the best quarterback in this draft and probably, probably taking him at number one overall. So Hugh Jackson had some things to say about a number of those guys today. Um, as far as Sam Darnold not throwing at the combine, and again, it's it's early. I mean, I don't think he will, but you just never know. I mean, things can change by Saturday when those guys have to get out there. Once the quarterbacks get into town and people start talking to them, and you know, Mike Mayock starts getting in his ear, and uh, you know, you just never know if he might change his mind on that. But as of right now, he does not plan to throw at the combine. I think that's in part because uh, he's working on some things with Jordan Palmer, you know, maybe, uh, you know, tweaking some things here and there a little bit and might not be ready to roll those out just yet. So Hugh mentioned that. Uh, He mentioned uh, Baker Mayfield once again, said he's not an, you know, there are outliers to the, you know, to that threshold of, of being below six, two. And, you know, so just stuff like that, Dan, about each one of those guys who all have question marks. Yeah, we've talked about this before, how this is kind of an interesting class because there isn't an Andrew Luck, there isn't a Peyton Manning. All of these guys sort of have flaws. All of these guys can kind of fit uh, in, into maybe what a, one specific team wants to do, and maybe they don't fit as well with another specific team. And, you know, it goes to figure that a year after Hugh Jackson says that his quarterback threshold is 6'2", one of the top quarterbacks in the cl- in this draft class, is under 6'2". I mean, he kind of he kind of set himself up for this. 
Yeah, well, you know, the interesting thing about Baker Mayfield and about, you know, the Browns is that we know at least one person in the building really likes him and that he would be his choice uh, if he were running the draft. And that's their new draft consultant, uh, Scott McLuhan, who may or may not end up with the team full time after this whole process is over. But we know he likes him and uh, and that we know that John Dorsey defended him at the Senior Bowl just in terms of character and that he's watched a lot of his games. So we know that he's been on their radar. Um, but I do think that it would take a lot of convincing uh, to get Hugh Jackson to be really on board uh, with Baker Mayfield. And I don't know you know, how Todd Haley would feel about a, a player of Baker Mayfield's skill set, but I, I do think that if it ends up that way and they end up drafting Baker Mayfield, I don't see it right now, uh, but it, it would take some convincing of the coaches. Yeah, and it, you know, it maybe be a little telling too, to be honest with you, as to how, who has how much say in 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 this whole thing. It, it seems like it's going to be collaborative, but ultimately, John Dorsey is the guy that's putting himself on the line here. Yeah, it's it. It will be interesting when you throw a bunch of new guys together for the very first time in that first year. Nobody really knows quite how that's going to work out. I mean, you think that you know how it's going to work out, uh, but once you start to have uh, some, you know, some debate, some discussion, some differences, uh, then you really learn, you know, who is going to, you know, be able to kind of jump on the table for someone, or you know, or have the actual final say in, in who shows up here. Now, in a perfect world, it would work out. Uh, that they would all agree that they would come away from from this process, which will include private workouts of all these quarterbacks, pro days of all these quarterbacks, uh, that they would come to a consensus fairly easily. Uh, but as we know, it doesn't always work out that way. And I will say the process is still young because uh, I don't think that they will know for sure who their man is until they do those private workouts, get them up on the board, see how fast they process an NFL offense. Yeah, I mean, this is their first shot with a lot of these guys. Um, they're Like you said, they're going to get them in a room here. They're going to get medicals on them, and that's really important. That's really the big thing at the Combine. Um, I was listening to Duke Tobin uh, of the Bengals, and, and he really pointed out that the medicals, is, that's the thing that he really values here. It's a chance to get... Uh, get an idea of, of where these guys are health-wise. Um, so let, let's touch on a couple of the quarterbacks specifically. The first one is Sam Darnold. Um, and the big thing with Darnold, obviously he's raw, but it's the turnovers. And Hugh Jackson talked a little bit about those, uh, especially the fumbles. He talked about hand size. His preferred hand size is, is 10, he said. Um, so... With Darnold, it's the turnovers, specifically the fumbles, and the Browns need to kind of figure out why those were happening. Yeah, first of all, they're going to have to really dig into to the tape and to the film and, and look at, first of all, each one of those interceptions and find out. You know, there were 22 interceptions in uh, – in 27 starts, I believe it was. So 22 interceptions, they're going to have to really take a good hard look at all of those and find out how many of those were his fault, how many of those were tipped balls, and that sort of thing. So first sort those out, then you look at the fumbles, and you have to try to determine, you know, does, does he have one hand on the ball? Does he need to get two hands on the ball in situations? Uh, you know, does he uh, – is he taking – fumble numbers for a botched handoff that was the fault of the running back. I mean, there are certain, you know, you, you just have to almost break them down one by one uh, and find out why these things are happening. And I will tell you, I, I watched that Ohio State game, 
And I wasn't overly impressed. By the end of that game, I was thinking, I, I'm just not feeling number one pick here. But other guys have had, other good quarterbacks have had bad games, bad ball games, finished their season like that, and they've gone on to success in the NFL. So you can't let one game like that uh, really dictate how you feel about something. And of course, that was the Ohio State dominant defense, too. So, um, so you know, they're going to have to try to figure this out. And, you know, the other thing, as you well know, is, I mean, think about this. He's 20 years old right now. <laughs> He's so incredibly young. And if he has the skill set that they like, maybe he is the perfect guy to come in here and sit behind an A.J. McCarron or whoever they sign or trade for. Man, a lot of these guys are young, too. I think Josh Rosen, actually, even though he's he's started way more games, I think Josh Rosen is only 20 years old, too. Um, I, I have to, to double-check that. I'm saying, saying that off the top of my head, but... There's a couple of really young quarterbacks in, in this class. And, of course, we know how young Deshaun Kaiser was last year when they drafted him. Um, these, these, guys are, <laughs> these guys aren't getting older, Mary Kay. They're drafting younger and younger players every year. Yeah, and you know what? That's part of the reason why the projection of the NFL is so hard these days because, you know, there used to be an axiom, and Bill Parcells was all about this, that, you know, your completion percentage had to be uh, somewhere, I think, in the high 60s. You had to have started a certain amount of games uh, uh, over four years. Uh, you know, there, there were these numbers that they used to go by, and those have kind of all gone out the window because – Half the time, these guys come out after they've only started for two years. So that third year, where where half the time, if these guys would have gone back for another year of starting, you know, they may have fallen horribly in the draft the next year. That hap- you know that happens a lot. So you know, you're you're getting these guys when they're actually needing, you know, to be on a farm team for a year, where they're actually needing to you know to just really practice and work and learn and not be out there playing and I think that's that's the way the Browns are approaching this a little bit this year that even if they take the guy number one overall I, I think they will try to at least resist resist the temptation uh, to throw him in there because you know what happens you get that shiny new toy you put the batteries in and you want to play with it and uh, and and that's what you know is you know can happen when you know all of a sudden it's Christmas and you're opening your Christmas present uh, of your number one overall pick and um, you know, and, and you want to get him out there, but I think that they will resist the temptation to do that. Okay, just so everyone knows, I lost Mary Kay for a second, but uh, we we've got her back here. Uh, so Mary Kay, we were we were kind of going down the road of uh, these young quarterbacks, how young they are, and sitting them on the bench. So l- let's keep going down this path because Hugh Jackson was asked today if he would feel the pressure to start uh, a quarterback if he picks him number one overall. And he actually said, I hope not. The very first thing he said in a longer answer was, I hope not. So it really sounds like this team not not only wants to pick a quarterback, but they really want to build a quarterback room where he can thrive long term. Yeah, and this this is consistent with what Hugh Jackson pretty much has been saying the last few times that we've seen him in certain settings, such as the Senior Bowl uh, or wherever. He's he's pretty much made it clear that he wants to get to winning as fast as possible, and that includes starting a veteran quarterback early on in the season. That is the goal. That is what they will try to do. You know, we all know that he wants an A.J. McCarron or somebody like that to come in here and, and show the rookie the way and not go through what he's been through for the first two seasons because where the, where the Cleveland Browns are at right now, 
are, you know, it's, you know, they're a developing football team. You can take a rookie, such as a Carson Wentz, and put him on a good football team, and he can win games, but you can't take an inexperienced rookie and put him on a a young, developing, not-so-good football team and expect success. And, well, and even in the Carson Wentz situation, they had a plan to not play Carson Wentz until, of course, you know, as we know, situations change all the time in the NFL. And they get an opportunity to get a first-round pick back. Um, and so they were able to do that when they traded Sam Bradford. They they trusted Carson Wentz at that point. That was like a week before the season started. Uh, they trusted him at that point. So plans can always change, but you've got to have a plan first. <laughs> at least you want to go in with this idea that, Okay, this guy's going to sit. Whether he's second string, third string, he's going to sit. And maybe that changes by September. But you've got to have a plan in the spring. Yeah, and, you know, I I think it's a good sound plan. And, again, there will be temptation, you know. I mean, there will be uh, pressure from, you know, fans, media. If you take a guy number one overall, everybody's going to want to see what he can do. Let's play the future of the franchise. And especially in this town, the backup quarterback is always uh, the most popular guy when, you know, the team is losing. So, you know, there will be a lot of external pressure uh, to play that rookie. But I really do believe that um, that Hugh Jackson is hoping against hope uh, to be able to land probably an A.J. McCarron, I would think, is his first choice right now, uh, or someone of that ilk, someone who could come in here, whether it be a Case Keenum, whether it be a Nick Foles, uh, you know, one of those kind of guys, bring him in here and, uh, you know, and, and let her rip for the beginning of the season. Yeah, and and they're going to have options. It's rare that you have as many options as they're going to have, but with the free agents that are out there and with the assets they have in the draft that they can move if they need to, um, they're going to have a a lot of options, uh, which, like I said, you you don't get that every year. A lot of times these quarterbacks don't hit free agency, uh, but but there's going to be some guys out there. And Look, we all kind of know it starts starts with A.J. McCarron and kind of goes from there. Yeah, you know, the other thing is, you know, and and there are a lot of names floating around. But as for options, you know, we just don't know how that's going to play out yet because uh, the Browns do not have a good reputation, obviously, uh, for quarterbacks, for developing them, for keeping them, uh, for things going well for them here. Uh, So, you know, they're really going to have to sell themselves as a football team that this is going to be a better team in 2018 that they're going to have to say look you know we've got an offensive line you know hopefully for them Joe Thomas will come back uh we'll talk about that a little bit later but um you know they're going to upgrade the receiving core they're going to get a new running back in here uh and you know a quarterback loves a good defense and they will add more playmakers to this defense so with all the picks they have and with all the money they have they're going to have to show these quarterbacks that this is not the 2017 Browns they're going to be starting for. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a little bit of an uphill climb because obviously they have been losing. Uh, they're going to draft a quarterback. So essentially you're saying to a guy, we want to sign you and then we're going to draft your replacement before you even take a snap in, in a real game. Um, but, you know, as Hugh Jackson said, there's only 32 starting quarterback jobs. So if, if this is your opportunity to finally get one of those jobs you've been waiting for or to continue starting if a, if a team is moving on from you, um, that this is going to be one of the places to do that. And maybe you play well enough that you get two years out of it or maybe three years, whatever it is. But um, th- this is kind of where the opportunity and, and the money might be. 
Yeah, and you know what? Here's the thing. If you get a guy like an A.J. McCarron, who has sat behind Andy Dalton for the last four years, obviously he is eager and itching to play. He cannot wait to get out there. And he will do everything he can to stave off a rookie in camp. He's not going to let somebody come in here and take this opportunity away from him. And plus, he will know Hugh Jackson's offense, although he'll have to be learning Todd Haley's terminology. Uh, so that will be a little bit different for him. But, uh, you know, he's an experienced guy. Defenses have slowed down for him. The game has sl- slowed down for him. And, uh, you know, it's an opportunity for him to say, okay, look, if I come in here and start for one year and then they're ready to turn their team over to their rookie, it's still a chance for him uh, to go somewhere else and start if he had to. The Browns could trade him and draft another young quarterback to develop if they feel like their guy is ready to go. I mean, that's, that's the kind of stuff that happens. Uh, you know, if the Giants draft a quarterback number two, who knows? You know, maybe it's you know, the last year for Eli. Maybe they do something with Eli this year. You, you never really know. I mean, what, you, what we do know is if you commit to a quarterback number one overall, he's going to start for you at some point fairly soon. This is not, you know, like taking a second rounder that, you know, you can kind of wait on that a little bit. I mean, this, this guy is probably going to start either next year or the year after. And at that point, you know, then, then you can move the other guy. Okay, let's um, let's talk about. You, look, you brought up Joe Thomas, so let's talk about um, Joe Thomas. And boy, I'll tell you what, this guy, whether he decides to come back or not, he knows how to create content. That's for sure, because he had uh, Johnny Manziel on his podcast that he does with Andrew Hawkins for Uninterrupted, um, and it was literally. I, I got up this morning, I went for a run, I came back, opened up Twitter, and it was just all. Joe Thomas, Johnny Manziel, Andrew Hawkins. It blew up almost immediately. You put a story up um, off of it today uh, so people can find that over at cleveland.com slash browns if they haven't heard the podcast. Um, a lot of interesting stuff in there. So, uh, you know, kind of tell us tell us what stood out to you when you listen. I mean, it was long. It was like 50 minutes long. Tell us kind of the – give us the Cliff's Notes version here. Yeah, I mean, it was. I listened to the whole thing, and it was great. Of course, those guys do a great job on their podcast. And um, so I listened to the whole thing, and it starts out the, the very beginning is just all about him, you know, coming to Cleveland and isolating and, and just being miserable and, uh, you know, not being happy here and, you know, just kind of hanging out by himself a lot. And I think that was, that might have been the start of sort of the downward spiral for him, um, you know, just sort of feeling, you know, not comfortable here he wasn't Johnny football here yet really he wasn't playing and all that kind of stuff so he starts out with that but the part that I wrote about and that I found most fascinating and I think most people would um is he finally for the very first time opened up and described in detail his Billy Manziel Vegas bender (laughs) and what preceded that and that was just a crazy time I remember living through it I remember reporting through it I remember I knew things I couldn't report you know what I mean I mean there was just so much craziness going on and um so he, you know, basically admitted, and one of the things that really stood out for me was he admitted what we had all been hearing, and that was, you know, he was, you know, impaired in sort of some way when he showed up for work uh, that Tuesday. You know, he admitted that when, you know, that he had a long, hard night of partying and drinking with his friends who were up from Texas, and then. You know, that coupled with what he said was a concussion that he got in the third quarter of the Kansas City game 
two days earlier, you know, by the time he showed up for work that day on Tuesday at 7 a.m., he admitted that he was loopy. Well, you know, I had heard during that time, uh, you know, a, a source within the organization said, you know, that, you know, they suspected that, you know, he could be under the influence and they sent him to the trainer right away. And, you know, now when you when you hear him tell it, I mean, he's basically confirming that, you know, you know, even if he let's say he went to bed at three or four o'clock in the morning, who knows if he got any sleep at all. But generally, if he hadn't just if he didn't show up for work drunk, he was pretty darn uh, hungover or still, you know, feeling the effects of a, of a rough night. And he admitted that. You know, he admitted that himself on this podcast. So um, that coupled with the concussion, you know, he was in no shape to be, um, you know, to be around the facility, to be playing football or any of that. And then, you know, then he, then he said, well, you know, I just mailed it in when they, you know, when they diagnosed me with the concussion, he was like, that's it. I'm done. My season's over. So, you know, at this point, he's like way, way out there in party mode. So he just decides, you know. I'm going to bag this whole concussion treatment thing. I'm going to Vegas. You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's just how far off the deep end he was back then. And I watched it unfold before my very eyes, just starting from the minute he showed up to um, Brown's, you know, rookie camp, really. I mean, you could just see that, that he had issues. It was very evident. Um, but here he is admitting, really, for the first time to Joe Thomas on the podcast, uh, just how much of a bender he was on, just the shape that he was in at 7 o'clock that morning, and how he basically did not care and just went to Vegas. And, and here was another thing, Dan. When he realized, he, he planned to come home for his concussion treatment and all of that. But at that day, he decided, you know, there, he would rather go to the club. He was like, the club, that club's going to be lit tonight. I'm not getting on that 10.30 p.m. flight to get back to Cleveland. I, I want to go out and party more. So, he, like, he just didn't give a damn. I mean, he did not give a damn. And then when he woke up the next morning and realized that he wasn't getting home, obviously, in time for his concussion treatment, he was supposed to be there at 8 o'clock in the morning, he just put his phone away and went back to bed. And I remember vividly asking Jimmy Haslam and everyone, do you have any idea where Johnny Manziel is? And the answer was no. I mean, we, you know, we talked to Jimmy after that game, I think it was. I mean, he had to admit, no, we, we don't know where he is. We have not heard from him. And that's because he was out in Vegas sleeping probably in his blonde wig. Yeah, that was the, uh, that was the night that Mike Pettin got fired. And we talked to Jimmy in the underneath the stadium that night. He came back, yes. and, and we talked to him. Um, it was that when they lost to Pittsburgh at home that that year. And by the way, speaking of of Mike Pettin, um, you know he kind of comes away a little bit vindicated in this because a lot of people felt like he was holding Johnny back. But I think when as we start to hear more and more, and and obviously people around the team knew this, but as fans start to hear more and more, you start to realize like there was just no way you could put this guy out there. There, there was no way you could rely on this guy to be your starting quarterback. No, not at all. And, you know, Johnny even admits in this podcast, and we've kind of heard him say some of the, some similar things, but he admits that when he first played in 2014, he was like, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, he, I couldn't, you know, there would be eight DBs out there. I didn't know what they were doing. I didn't know who was where or what was going on. And he said it wasn't until Josh McCown came in in 2015 and really showed him the ropes and said, here's what you do. You know, you're not playing video games. You come in here. This is the time you get here. He showed him how to be a pro. And he basically says if he makes it back into the NFL and has any 
modicum of success whatsoever as an NFL quarterback or any kind of a quarterback anywhere. It will be because of the things that he learned from Josh McCown, and I think that's really a great compliment and testament to Josh. Yeah, I think anyone who has come across Josh uh, in any capacity can tell you that he's a he's just a really great guy to other players, to the media. To, I mean, he is. Um, he, he's fantastic. He would be a great mentor for anyone. If the Browns are, hey, if the Browns need a veteran quarterback and they can't get the guy they want and Josh is available, you know, you could do worse. Obviously, there's there's that injury scare with him, but uh, we know that Josh is the type of guy who will mentor someone and will take them under his wing. Yeah, the, the, yes, absolutely 100%. Now, he has said that obviously he would like to uh, remain with the Jets and re-sign with them, but he's, he's going to be a free agent again. And most times I think it's, it is tough to go back to a team. Yeah. Uh, in, in most cases it is to, tough to go backwards, to go home again. But I think in the case of Josh McCown, you can go home again. I mean, Hugh Jackson uh, wanted to and would want to at any time hire him as a coach. Um, you know, he just has that way about him. And, um, you know, he he's a very, very good quarterback that, that would benefit greatly from being on a better football team. All right. So that is uh, day one of the of the combine. Now, Thursday, uh, we will have John Dorsey speaking at noon. Um, so, so that's going to be interesting to kind of hear what John Dorsey has to say. There's, there's a lot to get into with him about the quarterbacks, about Josh Gordon, about all, all of this stuff. And um, by the way, Chris Ballard and Andy Reid both had great things to say about John Dorsey today when they talked. Of course, Ballard came up under Dorsey, and, and Andy Reid worked very closely with him in Kansas City. So uh, they both had high praise for John Dorsey, um, and, and it'll, be, it'll be good to kind of finally hear from him again uh, as, as the Browns begin this draft process. Yeah, and um, yeah, so that'll be very interesting. Lots of stuff coming from him. And then on Friday, we move into all of the quarterbacks are supposed to come in and talk to us on Friday, uh, you know, in the in the interview room. And that'll be a really crazy day because they <laughs> compress it all between like two and five. So yeah. in that three hour period, we're going to be talking to, you know, six quarterbacks and um, it'll be coming as fast and furiously and we'll try to keep you guys updated as best we can with uh everything including another podcast that day yeah absolutely we're going to try and do one of these i don't know if it'll be 25 minutes long every day but we'll, we'll try and do one of these uh every day throughout the combine uh all the way through sunday also tomorrow it's worth noting that i believe we have running backs tomorrow afternoon so after dorsey uh, i believe running backs are among the positions that are going to talk tomorrow and of course that means saquon barkley and it also means some guys that the browns might have an interest in uh, later in the draft, including with one, maybe one of those three second-round picks. So um, t- tomorrow, today was just Hugh and some GMs and coaches. Tomorrow, things really get going, at least for us. Yeah, and I think the, the quarterbacks arrive tomorrow, so they probably start measuring them, I would think. So, you know, you're going to start to see, you know, is Baker Mayfield uh, going to measure the six-foot three-eighths that he did at Senior Bowl? Uh, how are Sam Darnold's hands? So some of those measurements will be significant. It is hand size season in Indianapolis. All right, Mary Kay, uh, I will let you go. Everyone, make sure you head over to uh, iTunes or Google Play and subscribe to our Orange and Brown Talk podcast. You can get these uh, on your phone every day here during the Combine. And, of course, we're going to be doing these uh, as draft season really ramps up. We're going to be doing these pretty regularly through the draft. And then we're into OTAs. We're into rookie minicamp. Uh, this offseason never stops. It never does. I mean, I was thinking we probably have like two days off in June and then we'll be right back at it. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody.